Greetings, thanks to God. This is Pastor Monta Lester of the Cedar Grove Church right here in beautiful Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we welcome you into our worship experience today. I believe you're not here by accident. I believe you're here by divine providence. I believe the Lord has something significant that he wants to say and share to the saints and to the sinners on this Sunday. So we're grateful to God for each and every one of you. And I pray right now that you would take a moment just to get into the presence of the Lord. We thank you for our praise and worship team that has gone so forth, gone forth so mightily in worship. We thank God for all of you who have served so faithfully behind the scenes. I thank God for you. And I thank God that even in the midst of the chaos and confusion that we see in our country, I thank God that we still have people who are praying. My Bible tells me, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal the land. I believe God is up to something today. I believe he's in the process of healing our hurts, healing our hearts. He's in the process of healing the land. And we thank you today for uh, you joining in and, and being a contributor to what God is doing in the kingdom on this day. I want to let you know there is a word from heaven that I would like to share with you. I want to call your attention to the gospel according to St. Luke. The gospel according to St. Luke, uh, the 10th chapter, verses 30. Excuse me, verses 25 through 37 will be our focus and our foundation. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'm sharing from the New King James translation today. Here begins the reading of God's word. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up testing him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, it says, And he said unto him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29 says, But he wanted to justify himself, saying to Jesus, Who is? my neighbor, who is my neighbor. Let's skip down a few verses, amen. I want to continue with verse number 36. Uh, the Bible goes on and says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise, amen. Uh, today, the Lord and I want to minister from the subject coming from that 29th verse where uh, he says he wanted to justify himself and said, who is my neighbor? The Lord and I just want to answer that question today. We want to talk about who is my neighbor. Let us pray. Precious Lord, we praise you. We thank you, O oh God, for this day, this time of sharing, this opportunity to come and to present your word. Lord, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the time of preparation. But Lord, you are the final editor. Take out what needs to be taken out. Put in what needs to be put in so that this message may minister to the hearts and the minds of these, your people. Lord, your credit is good enough with us that we're going to thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. Have your way in this place. It's in the marvelous, matchless, and mighty name of Jesus we ask it all. Somebody loves him, say amen. Amen. Who is your neighbor? One of the things that I love most about growing up in the community of Murfreesboro, uh, only a few blocks away from where the church is currently located, 
is that we have a sense of community. Let me say that again, a sense of community. Amen. Uh, we exemplify on a daily basis what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this scripture, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. As a matter of fact, uh, we knew who our neighbors were. We knew the names of our neighbors. As a matter of fact, right across the street from me, it was Ricky Roper, David Roper, Kenneth Roper, Anthony Young. Yes, but we're going just a, a, a door down. It was Jimmy Oakley and his sister Ferris Oakley. Going on down the street with Bobby Johnson, yes, Lord, uh, Paula Johnson, Phyllis Johnson, and their mother, Mildred Johnson. Uh, going behind us, it was Rodney Rendell and Russell Hugo, uh, Jane Foster Hugo, married to uh, Joyce Hugo. We knew who our neighbors were. Uh, as a matter of fact, you could even go on down the street a little bit more. You had Reverend Clarence Verge, Mother Faye Verge, Bubba Bernard, P. Shane, yeah, all of these, uh, Nuki, uh, Kitty, yes, uh, Belinda, all of these. We knew the names of our neighbors, yes, uh, all of these things. And we loved our neighbors as ourselves. As a matter of fact, if your neighbor had it, we had it. If we needed it, uh, they would be willing to provide it. Once upon a time, we'd be able to go to our neighbor and get a cup of sugar. Anybody old school enough to remember that? Uh, uh, a couple of eggs, uh, uh, some milk. We're able to borrow that back and forth. Yes, Lord. And they didn't uh, uh, borrow it. Uh, they, they gave it to us because if they had something, we had something. If they had a nickel, we had two and a half cents. We were in a situation where we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We had a very strong sense of community. And believe it or not, that was not just something that existed in our neighborhood. There was uh, that sense of community even existed in our churches. Uh, I remember a time when we had mothers of the church who would sit there on the bench with the big white hats and dressed in their gospel uniforms. Uh, and they would uh, look at you and give you that look if you were not doing something that was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And I, uh, so not only the blessing, but they gave you the burden as well. They, they were in a position where they would even say to you, you know what, they could correct you. Uh, they can tell you when you're doing something right, uh, they would encourage you. And when you're doing something wrong, they would encourage you. I know y'all new school mothers don't know anything about that, yes. But I believe uh, uh, we had a strong sense of community. We loved our neighbors as ourselves. But look, I'm wondering something today, amen. I'm wondering if we lost something. Because many of us have moved to some nicer neighborhoods, uh, but we're not necessarily nice to our neighbors. Let me say that again. We move to some nicer neighborhoods, but we're not so nice to our neighbors. Uh, uh, I believe we have forgotten some things. We've lost some things. We've lost in 2020 that strong sense of community where uh, I need you and you need me. Uh, uh, if you got something, I got it. Uh, if you need something, I'm willing to contribute, not just for my kids, but, but to anybody in the neighborhood. Uh, uh, we are called neighbors. Uh, uh, but, and just what that brings me to my text today, because Jesus, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, in this 10th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, Jesus is talking about such a thing as that, talking about being a neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Having a strong sense of community, not being so self-absorbed that we're just only worried about what, uh, to get all we can and to can all we get. Not only just being so self-absorbed, we're just concerned about me, myself, and I, but we have a sense of community where we're concerned about others. And I just believe today in this uh, 10th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke uh, that the text is so timely today. The text is so timely today because I don't think I'm the only one that has turned on the TV this week. 
I'm not the only one that's looked at Facebook, Instagram, and uh, other forms of social media uh, and understand that we are in a rough environment today. Amen. We're in an environment where we don't seem to be acting too neighborly. Uh, this text is talking about some things that we're seeing right here today in 2020. Yes, Lord, the Bible written so many years ago, but it's talking about some things that we're seeing right here today. Uh, this text is talking about people being brutally victimized. Uh, this text is talking about a hostile racial dynamic. This text is talking about different responses, those that chose to ignore what was going on, those to, uh, to be chose to be interested but not involved, and then it compares and contrasts to those who are committed to contribute. Yeah, some unlikely allies, uh, people who don't mind being uh, inconvenienced, uh, willing to sacrifice personally, people who are unconcerned about their personal costs but believes the cost of others is worth, worth the benefit. Amen. People who would be on it watching, empathizing, praying, but taking action. Let me say that again. People who would be on watching, empathizing, praying to take an action. Because, you know, some people, especially church folk, we're quick to pray, but sometimes we're slow to move. Uh, this is what the text is talking about, and it is very timely. Uh, as it relates to what I see going on in the day. And, and what I want to talk about as we go deeper into the text today, I want to talk about who is your neighbor? Because the Bible still is charging us, it's still challenging us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, let me go deeper. Let's go to the text because the Bible is talking about uh, uh, what is happening here in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse number 25, the cause of the conversation originated with a young lawyer who came to Jesus and asked Jesus a question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, this young lawyer, he was concerned about getting his ticket to heaven. He was concerned about entering into the kingdom of heaven and uh, for himself that he may enjoy eternal life. And Jesus uh, asked him a question. He said, what does your Bible say? Uh, because believe it or not, this young lawyer, he knew his Bible. He knew scripture. He had scriptures in his head. But the text would tell us in just a little while, but he didn't have scriptures that reached his heart and his hand. Uh, uh, he said, what does your Bible say? And he says this. He said, my Bible tells me I should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He knew his Bible, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, you know what? God bless you. Good night. It's time for the benediction. You answer correctly. Yes, Lord. You should do this and you shall live. But somebody understands that this lawyer, he uh, wanting to justify himself. In other words, he wanted to appear self-righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, he had a question. He said, well, who is my neighbor? And that's why I believe he messed up, y'all. He asked the question, who is my neighbor? And what I love about the Lord is that oftentimes he will answer the, a question directly, but sometimes he'll go ahead and paint a permanent picture on your mind. He'll, he'll pull out his paintbrush and write a parable and help you understand uh, to bring the earthly to uh, the heavenly to the divine. And that's just what he did in this certain situation right here. He helped this young man understand. He said, you know what? He talked about a parable. Yes, Lord, if some of you understand this parable. He talked about a man who was on the Jericho Road and fell amongst thieves. And as a consequence of what had happened to this man, uh, we had three people that came by and saw this man in his situation, saw this man who had been beaten up and left for dead. 
Yes, Lord. Three people. Yes, Lord. And after that, he talked about there were three people, but there was a right response and a wrong response. Yes. And after he had gone through this parable, he asked the question, well, who is the neighbor? He said, the one that showed kindness, the one that showed compassion. He is the one that's my neighbor. And, the, and what Jesus is saying and what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this text right here, he's saying to us, my brothers and my sisters, that we should go and do likewise, that we should have compassion for our neighbors, that we shouldn't just be self-exhort. We shouldn't just be talking about uh, uh, what we need to do just for me and my household, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves and, and have compassion on our neighbors, that we can go and do likewise. Can we go deeper today? Amen. Because uh, I want to talk about this text. As we travel through the text, I believe it highlights and points out some very important lessons uh, that are relevant to our situation and what's going on in 2020. Can we go deeper? Uh, it's talking about this place called the Jericho Road. Uh, the Jericho Road. And many of you who are Bible scholars and theologians, you understand uh, the history behind the Jericho Road. Uh, the Jericho Road is a rough patch of road. Yes, Lord. Jesus talks about this thing called Jericho Road. The Jericho Road, in verse number 30, talks about it. It goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And this road was known for being a rough patch of road. Uh, it, it had a high elevation and went very low. It was going from Jerusalem, the place of worship, yes, and going down to Jericho, uh, going down to Jericho. And this road was a windy road. It was a windy road. It had a lot of turns and twists to the road. Uh, uh, this road was a rough road. There were a number of bad things that happened on the Jericho Road. As a matter of fact, because of the climate of the Jericho Road, it was a perfect setting, a perfect environment for ugly things to occur. As a matter of fact, uh, Jericho Road had many curves to it. It was a place where thieves would come and hide and take advantage of people going down the Jericho Road. Hallelujah. And I just believe today that as I look at the, uh, this, the times of our country, as I look at things that are going on in our world, uh, especially in the United States, I believe our country has taken a turn down a rough and rocky road. When I see great division, when I see great disease, when I see uh, unemployment that reaches almost to the Great Depression, I believe we're in a position where we're going down a rough road. Amen. Amen. We're going down a rough stretch of road. Amen. But even on the roughest road, do you understand that we still have a Savior? Yes. We have a God that comes in and steps into our situation that even though we may fall down, God is always there to pick us up and take us to where we need to go. So here they are on the Jericho Road. Yes, on the Jericho Road. Uh, and Jesus is answering this man's question with a parable. He's telling him there was a man going down the Jericho Road and he fell amongst thieves. Lord have mercy. He fell amongst thieves. Verse 30, yes, Lord, uh, who had stripped him of his cloak, wounded him, departed, and leaving him half dead. Mm, thieves. Uh, he fell amongst them, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Amen. Amen. And uh, a thief. Uh, and I don't know about you, but there's some things I just can't stand. Y'all pray for me. He ain't through with me yet. One of the things I cannot stand is a thief. Mm, I, uh, I don't know about you, but many of us work, some of us one or two or three jobs. Yes, Lord. And we uh, try to earn an honest living, go home and, and bring our little goods and things to have a nice environment, a nice home. 
And then there's some people who are waiting until you go to work. Uh, watch your house. Uh, and as soon as you leave to earn an honest living, a thief comes in to take what you have earned. I don't know about you, but I can't stand a thief. Uh, and a thief, the most simple definition of a thief is someone who takes stuff that does not belong to them. Mm. Uh, a thief is someone who takes stuff that does not belong to them. Amen. They take TVs. Yeah, they take cash, cars, clothes. They, and a thief even takes life. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a thief, uh, a thief is one of the names that God has given the devil. Uh, it's in your Bible, John chapter 10, verse number 10. The Bible says, thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, uh, whenever you see a thief, uh, there's nothing holy going on with the thief. I don't care what the title is, hallelujah, amen, whether it's a police or a protester, if it's stealing stuff that does not belong to them, I said something, yes, Lord, if it's taking life or if it's taking TVs, uh, a, a thief is not an agent of God. A thief is an agent of the enemy. The thief coming but uh, to steal, to kill, to, to destroy. That's his job description in John 10 and 10. But, but I thank God that that doesn't stop right there. The big Paul said, but I am come. Yeah, talking about Jesus. I come that you may have life and that you may have it uh, more abundantly. That's why Jesus is here. Yes, Lord. Although the thief comes to do just that, to, to take stuff up, to strip us of our clothing, uh, to wound us, yes, Lord, and to leave us half dead. We have a Savior uh, that said, I am come to have, that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. And what we notice here as Jesus is painting this picture, as he's talking to uh, uh, this lawyer here, uh, he's sharing some things. He's, he's comparing and contrasting. He's given uh, what happens in response to this man who has fell among thieves. This man who has gone down a rough patch of road and experienced uh, uh, the roughest part of the road. He fell amongst thieves. And the Bible says that there are three people that came down the road. Yes, Lord. Uh, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And he talks about, and he compares and contrasts their responses to this man that they have seen. Can we go deeper today? Amen. Because, uh, first of all, it talks about there was a priest, verse number 31. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, somebody shout, saw him. Mm, he passed by on the other side. Verse 31. Yes, Lord, there was a priest, uh, someone who had a title. Someone who had a position, someone who was supposed to be important, a priest, somebody who is supposed to proclaim and practice uh, the principles of God. A priest uh, was coming from Jerusalem, yes, Lord, on his way to Jericho, and he saw him. He saw what was going on. But the Bible says in verse number 31 that the priest passed by on the other side of the road. Yes, Lord. In other words, uh, uh, he saw the situation, but he did not do anything. Lord have mercy. He passed by on the other side of the road. And then it goes on. Yes, Lord, in verse number two, 32, it says, and likewise, a Levite, when he arrived to the place, came, and guess what he did? He looked and passed by on the other side of the road. In other words, uh, 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 he, he saw what the priest did, and, and then he did a little bit further. He went a little bit further. Uh, uh, he didn't just look out of the corner of his eye. He came and he looked at him with intensity. He looked and he examined the situation. He became very familiar with what was going on with this man. 
Hallelujah. Uh, he watched CNN. He watched Fox News. He, he saw everything that was going on with this man. He's watched MSNBC. But, but instead of doing something, he did nothing. The Bible said that he passed by after he looked at him on the other side of the road. In other words, uh, he could have helped, uh, but he chose not to help. Yes, Lord. And, and I know uh, uh, as, as a pastor and preacher and, and someone who has uh, the gift of prophecy, uh, my job is to help uphold the body of Christ, uh, to help uh, defend the actions of those who are part of the church family. But, but I'm having some trouble today defending these men because, believe it or not, I believe that we're not only supposed to proclaim it, I believe we're supposed to practice it. I believe we're not only supposed to live it, but I believe we're supposed to live it. Amen. I believe that it's not something that a sermon is not supposed something that we're supposed to say on Sunday, but it's something that we're supposed to live Sunday through Saturday. Amen. Uh, but the priest and the uh, and the Levite, uh, who is also a man of God, came by, saw what was going on, and passed by on the other side. Amen. Well, let me just look at their situation because possibly they had good reasons why they did not get involved in this situation. Amen. Uh, maybe they had good reasons. Uh, uh, maybe they were scared they would get robbed too. Mm. Uh, uh, they were concerned, maybe they were concerned about how others would think of him and, uh, uh, and, and trying to produce healing in this climate of so much hurt. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were in a hurry. You know, maybe they were busy. You know how busy it is. You know how, and some of you passing preacher friends of mine, you understand how it is on Sunday morning. It seems like you have more distractions than any other day of the week. He was just too busy. Maybe that was a situation. Or uh, uh, maybe he just felt ill-equipped to help. Uh, uh, this is the Jericho Road. Yes, Lord. He, maybe he was just thinking the problem is too big for him. What can one person do on the Jericho Road? Yes, Lord. Maybe was in a situation where he had tried before and failed. Mm. Maybe he had been on the Jericho Road before and he found somebody who had fell up there on his knees before and he tried to help but failed. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In other words, he was burned the last time. Uh, uh, maybe he was burned the last time. Yes, Lord. Maybe he was in a situation where he's saying, well, you know what? It's not my problem. Mm. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, it's not my problem. Uh, in other words, uh, I, I know this is my brother. I know he's fallen on the road. Yes, Lord. But guess what? That's not my problem. Uh, and maybe he was just thinking, you know what? He deserved what he got. Uh, uh, he deserved what he got. Because believe it or not, he shouldn't have been on the Jericho Road anyway. Uh, he knows what happens on the Jericho Road. Guess what? As a matter of fact, I tried to warn him about going down the Jericho Road and he wouldn't listen. So so he, he got what he deserved. Uh, he didn't need to be on the Jericho Road anyway. Amen. Maybe they were just thinking that nothing is going to change. Uh, maybe they were just thinking that nothing is going to change. In other words, we've been down the Jericho Road for 401 years and, and still nothing is going to change. Uh, or maybe they just said, you know what, I flat out don't care. Mm. Uh, I don't care what happened to him. Guess what? My name is Ben and I'm not in it. Guess what? He's the one that fell down on the Jericho Road. And guess what? He put himself in this situation. And guess what? As long as I'm okay, I don't care what's happening to him. Mm. Mm. What happened? Yes, Lord, he's on the Jericho Road. And guess what? The priest and the Levite coming from church. Uh, people who had Bible scriptures in their head but it never reached their heart or their hand. They found this man who had fallen among thieves 
and they didn't do anything about it. And what I've learned is that, you know what, God is more concerned about our task than our title. Mm. I've learned that God is more concerned about the compassion that we have in our heart more than he is about what we have in our hand. Amen. And what I've learned is that God uh, has a way of painting a picture to challenge us on these days and on these times like this to make us understand if something is either right or it's wrong. Amen. Amen. As a matter of fact, I love the way Jesus paints a picture. This is not the first time that he painted a picture or used a parable. Yes, Lord. He doesn't care about numbers. He only cares about if it's right or if it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, you understand some of you Bible readers remember the ten verses. Yes, Lord. Ten, five were right and five were wrong. Uh, some of you remember even when Jesus was being crucified on the cross between two thieves. Uh, one was right one was wrong. And now in this situation where we have three strangers, yes Lord, uh, that have come down the same situation, seeing the same thing. Uh, two, one was right and two were wrong. In other words, there was no majority rule. Yes, he was talking about either it's right or it's wrong. He didn't care about your title. Hallelujah. He, he doesn't care. He only cares about the task. Uh, he doesn't care how many scriptures you know in your head. What he's more concerned about is the compassion that you have in your heart. Hallelujah. So I want to talk today. I want to challenge even our church folk. Yes, the body of Christ, the people who love the Lord with all their heart, their soul, and their spirit. The people who have uh, said, you know what, I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. I've received Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Uh, because James tells us, yes, Lord, in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20, he said, faith without works is dead. In other words, uh, the reason why we have faith, uh, it should show up in our works. Yes, Lord, there comes a time when what we say in our through our mouths should show up with what we do with our hands. Faith without works is dead. Amen. Amen. In other words, uh, if we are the body of Christ, if we are people who are believers, if we're people who understand what God has called us to do, amen, uh, if we should have something about us that will show up every now and then. We used to sing a song back when I was a little boy, yes, Lord, uh, Jesus is the light. <laughs> Some of y'all remember that, that shineth in me, that shineth in me. And it just talked about it will show up in my attitude. It'll show up in my gratitude. It, it'll show up in the way I live. And it'll show up in the way I give. And, and the question to consider today is, is the light of Christ showing up? Um, how is it showing up in you? Because again, James says, faith without works is dead. Uh, uh, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say I have faith, but it does not show in your action? Uh, can that type of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and say, uh, guess what, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? You see, by faith itself, it's not enough unless it produces good deeds and it is dead and useless. Amen. So in other words, there are times when God is calling us uh, to not uh, 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 just uh, be in neutral, because sometimes if we're in neutral, we're actually in reverse. God is saying faith without works is dead. And I don't know 
about you, but some of us know what it means to see what I call church folks, uh, uh, people who know the Bible, people who pay their tithes, yes, Lord, people who have a big title, yes, Lord, in church, but they have no compassion outside of the sacred setting, yes, Lord, amen. Uh, uh, what's in their head, again, never reaches their heart or their hands, yes, Lord. Uh, some people will say, that's, that's not my lane. That's not my issue. That's not my concern. That's not my comfort zone. Yes, Lord. But I just believe today uh, that we can either have ex excellence or we can have excuses. Uh, I believe today that we can contribute or we can be complicit. I believe today that if we need to be part of the problem, a part of we need a part of the problem, or we're part of the solution. Hallelujah. And what I've learned about God, yes, Lord, is that God has a way of raising up some unlikely allies. Yes, that's what I love about God. Yes, Lord. He has a way of picking out some people and, and finding a way that even when we've fallen on the rough patch of the road, yes, Lord, he'll pick up some people who are unlikely. Yes, Lord. Uh, not people who may not know anything about the Bible, who have not read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Yes, Lord. But people who have the heart in the right place. Uh, and what I love about the Lord is that he has a way of working all things together. There it is. For the good of those who love God, for the call according to his purpose. Do you understand God will always send somebody by Yeah. In other words, there's power, yeah, in partnership. And there are times when he will use some unusual allies. And he'll use some people that you didn't think would help you out. But, but he always has a way. As a matter of fact, he sent a Samaritan, yeah, uh, uh, to help out this person who had Jewish descent. Uh, uh, he sent somebody of another race, uh, another culture, another background to come in and step in and help out this man. And guess what he did? The Bible says, yeah, uh, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he was journeying, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And that's what God is asking for today, and that's what God is looking for. He's looking for some people with compassion. He's not looking for people with a big title. He's looking for people who will perform the task. He's looking for people with the right heart. He said he had compassion. And because he had compassion, he had not only faith, but he had works too. Because the Bible says in verse 34, uh, that he took him, yeah, and he bandaged up his wound, poured oil and wine, put him on his own beast, and took care of him. As a matter of fact, he took him to the end, yes, Lord. He spent his own money, yes, Lord. And verse number 35, he says, you know what? I'm busy too. I, I got a place where I got to go. But, but even in the midst of that, if this man needs something else, guess what? I'm going to come back on the next day, and I'm going to pay whatever expenses has come up on this man. In other words, God uses the power partnership. He uses unusual allies, yes Lord, and he'll use people that instead of finding excuses, will find a way. And I'm just wondering where you and I are today. Are we in a position where we want to find an excuse, or are we in a position where we want to find a way? Because I just believe today that if we got the right heart, yes Lord, God is looking for some folks that he can use for his glory, yes Lord, for his good and for his glory. And sometimes it doesn't matter how much you have, amen. Uh, because believe it or not, God likes little stuff. You can have two fish, uh, two sticks and a little meal, yes, Lord. Or you can have a beast and some time. But, but the important thing is that you have compassion for your brothers and sisters. And isn't that just like Jesus is? Jesus doesn't care about your social dynamic, economic environment. He doesn't care about your resume. He doesn't care about your race. Yes, Lord. He concerns about the right heart. Isn't that just like Jesus is? Because when we were on a rough patch of road, when we were dead in our sins, when we were in a situation 
So what we couldn't help ourselves with for the thief that come in and, and showing our right to the tree of life. Jesus came down through more than two generations. Yes, Lord, to hang free and die on a cross on Catherine's Hill. That whosoever believing in him shall not have perished, but shall have everlasting life. Yes, Lord. And he picked us up, yes, Lord, out of our situation. Yes, Lord. He hung flat and died. But, but somebody knows that he didn't stay dead. Now, that's What conversations are you having? What mindset? 
success are you challenging with your family, with your friends, people of your political, religious, denominational affiliation? Because Jesus, again, he doesn't care about the numbers. He talks about right and wrong. He don't care if there's two, five versions that are right, five that are wrong. He don't care if there's one thief that's right, one that's wrong. He don't care about if there's three people, two from the church and one from the streets. All he's concerned about is right and wrong. And I just believe today that we have an opportunity to stand for what's right. My grandma used to tell me, son, you need to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Stand for something. Show yourselves neighborly to one another. Because believe it or not, Jesus is still giving out report cards. He's going to evaluate each and every one of us. We're going to give an account for all the sins and deeds that we've done in, in this body. And in this climate right here, God has given us an opportunity. Yes, Lord, we can do something or we can do nothing. And my brothers and my sisters, God is telling us to say, you know what, who is my neighbor? Who can I help today? How can I make a difference? And the God I serve, he will empower us, he will equip us, he will use us to do what we can do. And then when we can't do anything else, guess what? He will do it only he can do. He will save, he will deliver, he will restore. That's why Jesus came anyway. That we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. So if you're here today and you're hearing this message, I want to let you know today that Jesus came that you may have life. He came that you may have life. Uh, with all the death and disease and destruction and uh, depression that we're seeing in our society, I know a deliverer today. I know somebody who can lift us up, make us brand new, renew us and restore us. I'm talking about a man named Jesus, the Son of God, uh, that humbly died for our sins. So if you're here today and you're not saved, we want to let you know you can be saved. This is an easy eight minutes in. Accept the week and confess. Except you're born to say to believe that Jesus is the Son of God that died for your sins and make that confession with your mouth. You can be saved. And then get into a good Bible believing church. And if you're in the Murfreesboro community, we welcome you to the Cedar Grove Church. We are a body of believers that's committed to equipping disciples to positively impact the world for Jesus Christ. We do that by loving God, loving people, and serving the world. So if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, just Lord, receive him as Savior, and then give up on my do nothing and let's do something. Let's make the world a better place. Because I just want to hear God say, well done, not good and faithful servant. Yes, Lord, you crossed the lines, you've done some things that are improper. Yes, Lord, but at the end of the day, you are a faithful servant. And the world is better because he died for us and we live for him. The word of God, for the people of God, and the people of God did say, amen. God bless you. May he ever keep you, is our prayer.